Welcome everyone to our, as yet, unnamed podcast. This is episode one uh, with Rise. So it might end up being called the Rise Pod or Rise and Shine was one of Meg's ideas. Anyway, lots of different things. If you're listening to this and you enjoy it and you get all the way through, then buzz us a name suggestion for the next episode. Let's introduce ourselves. My name is Robin at Scottcroft. I'm 28, use he, him and his. Um, born and raised in Stroud. You'll hear a lot more about Stroud throughout of this. Um, and I've been doing youth activism now for four four years, um, kind of full-time since I was part of the team that founded Extinction Rebellion Youth um, and moved into lots of different spaces since then and all of these kind of things. Um, I also play a lot of Ultimate Frisbee and, yeah, that's pretty much my whole personality, activism and Frisbee these days. Who are you? Uh, my name's Meg. Um, I'm 21. I use she and they pronouns. Um, also part of the Rise. Um, and also been doing full-time organising for about four years now. Um, yeah, started off getting involved in like the moment of explosion around like the youth strikes for climate um, and Extinction Rebellion Youth. And then my A-levels got cancelled because of COVID. Um, and I really started focusing on, yeah, like how to how we can do education differently um, and how we can get serious about being a generation that creates change. And we're making this podcast because we sit around all the time talking about the state of the world, talking about what to do about it. Um, and people, when they come visit us, tell us that, well, you guys have some cool conversations. Can you send those out into the world a little bit more? So we did one a while ago, which you can find on the website, uh, rise.org and on the Instagram called Angry Lunchtime Chats. So if anyone want, if anyone's thinking about whether or not to drop out of uni, you can hear our thoughts from a year and a half ago. Yeah. They've yeah. They've changed, they've changed, but that's fine. Um, and so this podcast, hopefully, the way it's going to flow is that we'll start off with a little bit of a, an update on what The Rise is doing, because this is the first episode. I'm going to do a little bit of an intro to The Rise in general. And then we're going to flow into a kind of a, a central topic, a meaty conversation, hopefully, um, which today is about school as a crime scene, which is uh, this recent zine that we've put out, um, which details our critique of the school system, why we think it's an essential thing for especially young organizers, but just the whole community to get behind um, at the moment. Um, and hopefully that'll take about half an hour and then we'll do a little sign off. So overall we're aiming like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Um, so stick with us, let's make it through. Um, so to begin with, we're going into the introductions and some updates. So like I said, the first one of these is the RISE. You can't see it, but there's a big banner behind me. And the RISE stands for the Radical Youth Space for Education. And it comes out of, like me and Meg was saying, it comes out of our years of doing activism, basically, of, of doing youth activism and of wanting just like a real feeling that what we need somewhere in the UK is a space that young people across different movements who are out there having a go at changing the world can come together and can just like actually learn from what each other are doing, can learn from elders, folks who have come before us, ancestors, and can really start just figuring out what best practice for our generation means. And that comes in different practical ways. So that means, you know, we've been running educational sessions. So last year we brought together uh, youth activists from across the country. We had the, the protest folk talking to you know, the student organizers talking to the climate folk and all these kind of different spaces. And in the learning, they could come together and they could start working things out. And I think that's, you know, we're standing on the back of um, 
on the shoulders. That's what they say, isn't it? Not the back. We're standing on the shoulders of giants, as they always say. So we wanted to shout out some of the inspiration. So for folks who don't know, the Highlander Folk School in the US, do go and check it out. They've done incredible stuff for like 80 years now. Um, they were huge in the labor movement, huge in the civil rights movement. Um, and even to now, they're doing they're doing beautiful stuff. And And they're an example for us of this kind of piece of building... Um, building a piece of infrastructure within the activist movement. So we all get very used to building campaigns um, or even trying to build movements, but this piece of being like, and you need these pieces of infrastructure. So one of the ways off people often think about them is like media pieces of infrastructure. So where are the places where activists can share um, different bits of information? So for example, we've got Dope Magazine by Dog Section Press is on our table here. That's a place that brings together, you know, their whole job is to bring together what other folks are doing, opinion pieces, and get it out there to disseminate it. The rise is very similar. Our whole job is to bring together what young people doing activism are learning, You know, give them time to reflect on it, consolidate it, bring it together, connect it together, find the core, these core lessons, these core nuggets, and then get it back out into the world. Um, and that's kind of the aim of what we're doing. Practically, it means that we're based in Stroud, um, which is my hometown, and I dragged these guys to in Gloucestershire in the southwest. Stroud, some of you might have heard of Stroud. You know, hopefully lots of you are listening to it are from Stroud. And it's a little bit of a hotbed of crazy hippies who moved in in the 90s, my parents, so I know it well. Um, but it's got a long history of, of radical protests. We've been thinking, we've been looking back into the Stroud water riots from like nearly 200 years ago. Um, where they rose up. So Stroud was a, a, a mill town and there was, it was the, the Stroud Scarlet, the red, well, pretty similar to this, that was worn by the soldiers of the British Empire across the whole, you know, across the whole world in that brutal imperialist um, regime. That cloth was made in Stroud. And yet the people making that cloth, not the mill owners, they were rich as hell. The people making that cloth were poor as hell. And so they would rise up and they would fight that. You know, we've also been looking at the Captain Swing riots. We've been looking at all of the, these different moments through our hit local history. Uh, like we learned yesterday that just before the big roads protests in the 90s, we think this is a maybe that the Newbury Bypass roads protests and what sprung from that had a bit of a nugget starting in Stroud with the protest to save the trees in Stratford Park and that folks from Newbury came to visit the folks in Stroud and that kind of thing. So there's loads of different bits in there and I won't, I won't bore everyone with my, with my hometown knowledge. Um, but that feeling that we've come to a place, um, to it's not in a city, we're not in London, we're not in Bristol, we're not in Birmingham. We're, so we have some ability also to connect into the, in, in like the natural world outside. Um, but there is a, there's a history here. There's, there's a, something with, or not even a history. That's one of the things that we like to challenge these days, like an our story. So it's not his story, it's our story. And that Stroud is a rich place um, of protest, our story from, from throughout, throughout the past. And so we're another piece of that. So there's a few things about the rise. I feel like I garbled it a little bit. We're practicing the podcast um, speech, but please go and check out the website, www.therise.org. Remembering rise is with a Y. Loads of stuff on there. You can find us on Instagram as well. Meg's been doing the Instagram at the moment, uh, at therise.r.y.e. Uh, anyway, you'll find us. We've got some followers now, so it comes up. And please email us as well to ask any more questions about the rise in general. But now what we're going to do is start getting into a bit more of the updates and some of the theory behind lots of this stuff. Because 
and the practicals. And and one and it's that piece of what I've said there is like we're doing youth youth activist education. And so lots of you are thinking, yeah, but what are you guys actually learning? You know, what is what's your analysis? What is your understanding of how we create change? What's your understanding of what even needs to be changed at the moment? So that's what we're going to get onto now. So I'm going to pass to Meg. Um, who's just going to do a little bit about the fact that we have our own space now, um, that that's been a really big part of what we've been doing this year um, and is like kind of that big piece of groundwork over what we were doing last year. Yeah, thank you. Um, so one of the main updates from us recently is that for the last, I mean, the Rise is about a year and a half old now. Um, and for most of that time, we've kind of been the radical youth borrowing space for educations, um, which has also had lots of benefits. We've like built really cool um, connections with like the local community hall and that kind of thing um, but especially in terms of like wanting to really work on um, getting young people excited and empowered and um, really building something from there like we needed our own space that people could come into and feel like that was their own and we could um, yeah really get going from basically and so we, we, we found our own um, found our own building um, which we've had for the last month and a half we're likely to move out at the end of the month because landlords kind of suck um but um <laughs> but um yeah we've it, we've managed to get lots of stuff up on the walls and use it as a, like a what well, basically a a base for for all our meetings um and really um yeah, really go from there really go from there <laughs> remember we're practicing our podcasting and one of the things we wanted to say is that We've got this line at the moment, which we keep, because, you know, we have to do all those boring things like fund. Um, one of my jobs is doing like funding applications and these kind of things. So you have to kind of like blow yourself up a little bit for all these annoying grant funders. And so one of the things we think at the moment is that getting our own space means that we're the only youth-led community education project with its own space in the UK. Like we're the only group of young people who are kind of like, this is our land and this is what we're building in our community around political education. And if we're... Which does help because Stroud is a space that has some money to support us. And and yeah, all of the privileges that come in there, super up for talking that with other projects. And basically that's, that's a two-way invite. One thing is if you're trying to do something similar, please get in touch. We've been learning a bunch of how to do this, how to set up bank accounts, how to work with local folks, how to get all that kind of stuff. And secondly, if you're already, do even better, if you're already doing it, then get hold of us, yeah? Because we don't want to be the only place, you know? That's like this brag that we just don't want to be true. So get hold of us, let's work together, let's build something because the more, we believe the more folk taking back, especially young folk taking back control of our education and learning what we need to learn to change the world, the better place that we're gonna be in. I mean, it's, it's what we're set up to do. So other folks doing it, super great. And part of that is then one of the networks, which is the next piece of that we wanted to update with um, that we've been doing this year as opposed to last year, is that we wanna shout out the Planet Repairs Action Learning Educational Revolution, also known as Prela, that the rise is part of through um, the Colsag formations, which are part of Prela that we have one here in Stroud called Sister. And what it means is that we're linking into this political project to win planet repairs. You see behind us, there's this sign that says, for those of you listening on the audio, there's a sign that says planet repairs, what does it mean? And our role as we link into Prela is, is to ask that question. And that that question might seem simple at first, but it comes with a huge amount of political backstory um, and really just like grounding. And I think 
to go into it very quickly, there's lots more. I'm actually currently building a Prela website, so there'll be more on there. Or look at Prela News um, on Instagram, and you'll find a lot more. But Planet Repairs is an understanding of the the nexus, the coming together, the, coming together, the kind of uniting of environmental justice, reparatory justice, and cognitive, cognitive justice. And that in the connection of those three, we can move forward in a pluriversal understanding to repair our planet, including self-repair, community repair, and all of these different things. But that if we're losing any of those three along the way, then we're going to fail. You might want to explain what pluriversal means. You might want to explain what pluriversal means. Meg's always checking me on my language. <laughs> pluriversal um, or pluriversality is a word. And I think that's core to this, this piece within here is that we've uh, learned the term planet repairs from uh, some of the pan-African organizers that we work with. So big shout out to the Stop the Mangamizi, We Charge Genocide Ecocide campaign and the International Social Movement for African Reparations, the ISMA, um, both of which this has, this has emerged out of. And pluriversality is this concept that's used all across the global south. It's core to cognitive justice. And it comes, the, the Zapatistas, who some of you will know from Mexico, talk about it as a world where many worlds fit. And that it is this counter to the missionary, imperial, European universalism, <laughs> lots of long words, counter to the fact that Europe for the last 500 years has basically been trying to kill everybody else unless they pretend to be European. If that makes sense, like there's only one way of being a human. There's only one right answer. There's only one right answer. It's the European way. We can tolerate a little bit of culture on the sides, but unless you're shooting for growth in a fossil capitalist model and trying as hard as you can to look like an Oxford graduate, then you don't really count. You're not a real culture. You know, we are the default and others are other cultures. All of these different pieces are rolled into that. So that might have sparked hopefully a few thoughts, a few ideas, a few feelings. There's loads in there. We're going to be putting out lots more context about Planet Repairs. But like I said, please go and have a look at the websites. Check out those names that I said. Rewind the audio. Find those names. Um, we'll put them in the description of the video as well. And it's this ed and the the piece that takes it from just Planet Repairs into Prela is the fact that we're trying to build this educational revolution, which is us saying that, you know, is us saying here, and again, you can't see behind me, but part of it is linking in with indigenous and local community groups all across the world who have been fighting to retain their own grounded forms of education because of this basic piece that for us, when we talk about education, like we think education is a very misappropriated word here. And when I say it, lots of people think of school. And we're going to get on to that topic in a second. But one of the things that we like to use is this, uh, this quote by Amos Wilson, Dr. Amos Wilson, um, which is he says, education is about the survival of your people. And so it's about how do I want to raise my young people? How do we, sorry, want to raise our young people so that our group, our people can exist into the future? And he says that if you're not in control of your own education, it's because someone's coming forward to try and take you out. And they're miseducating your young people to try and stop your way of life. So Prela is about us here connecting, you know, us here in the global north, in the UK, connecting in with folks around the world who have been fighting for generations to hold on to their practices of community education. And through community education, thus, the building of people who can defend their land, who can defend their families, and who can fight this kind of big extractivist machine 
that is obviously behind biodiversity loss, behind climate change, behind, you know, the poisoning of waters and the pollution of different things, behind the overt, you know, genocides and things that have happened as well. Again, lots and lots in there, but I hope that makes sense um, in some little way. Please go research it more. Again, buzz us questions, all of that kind of stuff. And what we want to move into now is uh, we're going to switch into the kind of like main part of the podcast. So that was a, hopefully a bit of an update, a bit of a grounding in some of the different work that we've been doing. And now we're going to switch into talking about school is a crime scene, which is our most recent uh, publication that we put out uh, framing our analysis around school. And we're doing this because core, obviously, to Prela, to the educational revolution, is this creation, like we're doing with the rise of alternative education spaces, community education spaces. But equally, it is the challenging of miseducation spaces and taking a solid aim at mainstream miseducation, which, we, as we're going to talk about, we feel like not enough people do. So okay, let's do it. School is a crime scene coming up. Okay, so school is a crime scene. Let's dig into it. I'm going to become the interviewer now. I've already said a lot of things. I'm going to pass it over to Meg. We're going to hear a lot from, from her. And we're going to start around school is a crime scene just simply with the question, so hey, Meg, as a young person, why do you think we need to organize against the school system? Um, well, I think we need to organize against the school system because it's um, one of the most fundamental barriers um, stopping young people creating change. I've been trying to do youth activism or youth organizing for a while now um, and come up against so many hurdles in how this, like we call it like miseducation system instead of education system has um, like, not only does it like obviously like practically trap people and um, take up all of their time, but it also like, takes like suppresses so many of the skills that they need to be able to organize um and it's perpetuating a system and normalizing a way of doing society i guess or doing this life that um is literally leading us all to like planet collapse so um it's like if you're thinking about you know we need to do things fundamentally differently than how generations before have done it well we're still being put through the same school system. Um, and that school system is stopping our creativity. It's stopping our teamwork. It's stopping us actually learning about different ways of seeing the world. Um, and it's also like basically gaslighting young people into like pretending that everything is fine and we're not um, headed for climate collapse. So um, yeah, we've been trying to do youth organizing. It's one of the biggest obstacles, one of the biggest enemies in our way. So we need to organize against it. Nice, very simple. And and maybe that links a bit to what I was saying about that, like that idea of if education is about the survival of your people. So this idea that we've we're not taking responsibility for educating our young people. And so as young people, we're saying these schools are miseducating us. We have to get like we're not telling everyone to just like bung learning, are we? Like that's not one of the things around this. No, so, really yeah. So maybe then I'll hand back to you to just say a little bit about why. Why is it that young people, like why young people? What's the thing, thing about youth? Because we obviously it's in the rise name as well. Let's think about youth. And then that piece of learning that can unlock like change making and transformation, all of those kinds of things. Does that kind of make sense? Like why do we care so much about youth? And why are we saying that young people need to 
make sure they're learning what they need to learn and why is yeah and then thus why are we trying to change the school system yeah i mean the thing about young people is that um well firstly i'm young so <laughs> that's why i care about it and also because young people are like our generation needs to do things what i said a second ago like so radically differently um and we've been handed a set of circumstances that is fundamentally like what falling apart like everything from the fact that none of us can afford anywhere to live anymore through to the fact that like by the time we're and I don't always have statistics in my head but by the time you know we're in our middle age or later like our planet and the systems around it are going to be collapsing around us um and and so we need we we're born into this situation of instability and we need to be able to do things differently um and as a young person you're I mean, practically, you often have less responsibilities, but you're also at stage of your life when you're able to, like, take more risks. You're able to, like, be really imaginative. Um, and you look through history, like, young people have always been at the forefront of of creating change, like the spark moments almost always. So um, it's important for, yeah, us to be supporting each other, like, as a generation on how how we can do that. Um, because we both we both need to be able to create change because it's our lives on the line um and of our you know siblings around the world in this generation and we probably have the best chance of doing it um because of our situation because of yeah the fact we've still got a chance to not get quite as fucked over by the systems that we're in which obviously includes school as one of the systems that we're in so what i'm hearing there is there's on one side there's a system that is um stopping killing young people you know their imagination their ability to think they can create change all these kind of things and and there's a system trying to stop the young people coming into their power and at the same time we're saying if we don't have powerful young people we can't change things so we're saying something has to shift here and if we can take away some of what that system is doing then the young people can hopefully together with their communities can flourish into these kind of powerful fighting forces who can change the world that's a very simple explanation, but that's kind of, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so school is a crime scene then. Mm -hmm. What does this crime scene piece mean? And I've, you know, we've read the zine and, and, and in the zine, you kind of talk about these three areas of crime, don't you? So do you want to go a little bit into that? Like why the crime scene framing? And then what are some of these crimes that we're calling out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the crime scene frame as a, as a concept, I guess, is something that we inherited from um, the mainly the Stop the Mangamizi, which was genocide and ecocide campaign. Um, but also, yeah, lots of other um, work and relationships with Pan-African organizers um, speaking like about how do we condemn these um, sites of or areas of criminality against the human family and against mm -hmm. the earth and those kind of things. Um, and really talking about crime as basically a big violation of morality or something that we believe is wrong and that's not judged by the law because one of the things we talk about is that we don't have justice in the justice systems they're actually in systems of injustice um and i'm sure that's something that people kind of get like um the way that the law doesn't always equal what's right and you know the law is often not even fulfilled to how it's supposed to be and even the law itself is often morally corrupt i guess we would say and so this idea of like a crime, we look at it in terms of like, what do we as people, as young people, as a community, as Stroud, whatever, whichever situation you're in, think is wrong. 
um, and then to begin that process of investigating it yourselves. So what are the crimes here? H how is it under investigation by the people, by people of conscience, whatever? Um, and um, yeah, therefore, how do we try and bring about justice and like true justice and actually justice from the people for the people rather than from up here? So that's a little bit what we mean when we say crime scene. Um, and in terms of the crimes of school, I mean, there's many ways to look at it. We we kind of thought about breaking it down into like three three main crimes to outline, um, which kind of summarizes a lot of it. Um, we feel like so one the first one, the first crime is that, um, and they're not in no particular order, um, is that school totally fundamentally dehumanizes young people. So it fundamentally treats young people as if their feelings don't matter is if everyone else always knows what's better for them than they do. Um, and it's a process by, you know, there's lots of, I'm sure anyone listening to this will have many personal examples and less personal examples of the ways that they were treated like shit at school um, and the way that they were humiliated or whatever. But even just this normalization of a culture where young people are supposed to like, and that's something that's ramped up also in recent years to like totally um basically have like chronic anxiety and stress um to get through exam season and that kind of thing and one of the things that we say is like we talk about that but we're also talking about the fact that school literally as an institution like the purpose of it can't be to protect young people's well-being because then you just say oh well don't worry about doing exams because that's obviously stressing you out and that would totally undermine the whole point of school in the first place so we're saying that school the fundamental purpose of school doesn't correlate with treating young people as if their feelings actually matter. Um, and there's lots more in there, um, but I also think that's one that people often, often can kind of get like schools just treat you like shit. Um, the second crime I guess that, that we talk about is that school has always been used as a tool um, or has historically been used as a tool of domination and specifically of like Western imperialism and empire. So it's, the invention of schools, a little bit of history for people, like schools in the UK, like mass schooling um, was largely brought about, well, as a combination of like Christian philanthropy, but also largely to do with getting workers into factories. So even the fact that we have a school bell, the reason we have school bells is because they were to mimic bells in the factories. So people got used to them. Um, and there's actually some very clear examples of at the time when mass education was being brought in in the UK of the um the government talking about how they would use they like they would use it to like educate the working man because obviously there's also men only at the start to educate the working man into voting for them so it was a very explicit aim of like population control pretty much um and and then that was then exported across the world um there's this um cartoon illustration that we we use a lot as an to demonstrate this from the from the Detroit Detroit Journal in 1878 or 1898 I think we're just looking at it because it's on the wall over there um which is an image of um a guy in U.S. Army um like U.S. Army get up um like carrying over his shoulder a racist caricature up a hill towards a building that says schoolhouse um and you can see you can see if you actually go back and look at history, like the way that um, after the like very overt violence and plunder and genocide and invasion of countries around the world, 
the British and other European nations um, use schools as a way to control the population afterwards. And there's many, many like horrific quotes of like, um, you know, to educate people to be um, like white on the inside or to teach people how to lead like an Englishman and that kind of thing. It's like, and that's an example that even has been like recently, well, not like super recently, but pretty recently in the news of like the um, indigenous, what were they called? Boarding schools. Bo the boarding schools in, Can in so-called Canada. So where loads of the um, indigenous peoples and the children have been forced into these institutions that were like horrifically abusive and I won't go into detail. Um, but with the, and the explicit aim there was to turn them into like citizens of the Canadian society um, where obviously they're not taught about their customs, their history, their culture, um, and you know, any of that they're taught about, um, what well, basically they're taught how to assimilate into the society. So become an unrebellious part of the society. So there's loads of history and there's loads more I could say, but that school has, historically and continues to be now if you think about like even like the world bank and the world economic forum um all have these like aims of like get every child into school the only reason they would be giving a shit about that if it was going to benefit them and of course it's benefiting them because they're trying to get every single person into the global economy um under this promise of oh everyone can be educated whatever the fuck that even means um and um yeah, everyone can be a doctor, everyone can be a, a physician, like whatever, when that's also built on a lie because our planet can't sustain um, everyone under the Western, um, the Western lifestyle. So yeah, there's this way that that's still perpetuated now and there's still this hierarchy also of education where, you know, it's seen like the pinnacle of education is to go to Oxford University, to go to Cambridge or to go to Harvard or whatever. Um, and there's still this like massive superiority of like the Western way, the European way, the British, the English way is um, is the most civilized, is the most educated, is the most advanced. So that's a little bit on that one. Um, <laughs> and then the third crime, um, which is kind of where it all started really, is that school stops us from creating change. So, um, you know, like I said earlier a little bit, like, um, we're a generation that um, is facing, well, the biggest challenges in human history on a global scale um, with climate and ecological collapse, um, as well as like deepening inequalities um, um, and, and hierarchies in our society. And we need to be able to do things differently. We need to be able to problem solve. We need to be able to work together. Um, and we, do, we go through a schooling system that teaches us that sharing answers in your exam is the biggest crime. Like as if, you know, if you share your answers with someone, that's like, you know, like the thing you can get in most trouble for. We need to be sharing answers with each other in real life because otherwise, how are we going to problem solve? How are we going to think differently? Um, you know, people, I'm sure people have thought about this before, like school massively destroys people's imagination and ability to think for themselves. It also totally stops you taking risks because in school there's no reward for risk you just lose you just lose marks instead it's better to like play on the safe side do what you know is right um and all those kind of things um and the and the other thing is that school like really teaches you to fear or accept authority it's like you know if you do something wrong you're punished 
and that um that is like teaching a lesson that you're yeah that like fighting back against authority is always going to um result in punishment um and again that's not not a lesson we need to be learning in these times when we really instead need to be learning how to stand up against oppressive systems and fight for justice and so i think it can feel like those are kind of like random things that i'm throwing out there but really seriously like we don't have time for another generation to get totally traumatized by school and to come into the world as adults who don't know how to actually look after themselves emotionally including that like you know don't know how to actually get on with other people and don't know how to organize anything and even respect um that their opinions matter um we need our generation to be able to creatively work together and come up with solutions that right now we don't have any of the answers for or don't have many of the answers for um and then to be brave enough to even try and enact them because also our answers out there but everyone's taught to be so scared or taught that they're on their own like individual journey and that that's more important than um than working together to sort stuff out so that yeah there's again there's lots more i could say but um i think there's those three areas where it's like school dehumanizes young people and treats them like shit school has historically and continues to be like a tool of empire and school stops us creating change which for us is like the three main crimes that we'd outline um of why schools are crime scene wow 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 what a spiel um so much so much information in there and those three aims are highlighted so i mentioned that we've uh created this zine the rise has teamed up with bust card who are an awesome youth-led kind of zine making group they do all the graphics and stuff for us absolute legends and so that zine's available on the you can read it online on the rise website otherwise you can grab it for just a couple quid a three quid maybe free postage on etsy um if you don't have three quid but you still want one then uh just email us and we'll send you one and if you're like a youth org and you want a bunch of them we can send you a bunch as well I think we've actually got a thousand. We had 250 as our first print run and they sold out. They, we got rid of them in like three weeks. So we've got a thousand coming now. Um, and so and think, we'll get we'll get rid of those as well. Yeah. And I think the last thing to say on that, and you'll see this if you get have a, or get a copy of the zine, is that we don't want it to be an interesting thing to read. Like it's not interesting because so much of what we're taught in school is that you're so, like to engage with... Um, really f important um and or scary or like um impactful things as if they're just like not actually going to impact our real lives like so much of school is really abstract and like, i learn about climate change at school but no one was like this is going to actually impact the course of your life or like detailed how that would be and so we don't want people to read it and be like oh that was interesting what do i think we want people to read it and be like wow that made me see this or that differently that made me spark these ideas and th therefore, what am I going to do about it? Like, it needs to actually impact our reality. Otherwise, we're stuck in the same situation where we're just, like, discussing all of these massive topics as if they aren't actually real um, instead of doing something about it. And, and you know, there's some people here in Stroud who've read the zine, who've picked up, who've started taking action. That's really cool. The Rise has been supporting by letting them use the space and that kind of thing. Um, because, you know, if there's one takeaway from the zine, it's that, we need to do things differently. I've said that so many times, but it's true. We need to do things differently. And we can't just, we can't just like give up on this generation 
and let them continue to go through the system without putting up a fight. Yeah, totally. And that piece of it being that that is like in the Prayla piece that I was talking about earlier, like those middle letters are action learning, yeah. which is this piece of it being that like, and again, if you look at the Prayla stuff, they show the definition and it's that thing of like, we can't keep attempting to sell the idea of learning as sitting down at a desk, yeah, having so someone really just like fill you with a knowledge that you didn't even ask for all of these kind of things. And, mm-hmm. and the key in there is that learning only really happens or that the kind of learning we need happens when we are collectively taking action for something different. Yeah. And again, wanting to shout out some of the folks who we're hugely inspired by around this. So we've actually got them up on the wall. We've got a wall of ancestors in here. I think there's a video on Instagram about it. And like Paolo Freire's up there and he, you know, we use lots of his quotes. Um, he wrote Pedagogy of the Oppressed and a bunch of other amazing books, Brazilian um, educator and radical. And and his key essence was that thing of like, we we have to teach people to read the world, not the word. And when you are forced to only read the word, then you lose your place in the world and that your place in the world and thus your community's place, our place can only be a place of change and transformation. And if we're not changing the world, then someone's changing the world. And in this situation, they're changing the world against us. Because again, that's what I heard a lot in what you were saying, Meg, is this like, we can't let another generation go through a school system that is run by these elites, that is organized by these elites, and that is organized to keep us passive and, um, and, and the status quo maintained. And so the final piece, I guess, in that, that I wanted to ask a question just before we go into an outro, because you've said lots of, of what those mm-hmm. different things are, and you you even shouted out the folks who've already. So there's a group already started called themselves uh, School is a Crime Scene. You can find them on TikTok and Instagram, based in Stroud. We're, you know, we're supporting them and stuff. Um, I think it's this piece of like, what would you say to someone who would say, like, yes, yeah, okay, I get your argument, I get the school is bad, but isn't it just one of those other pieces? Isn't it just one of those pieces? And often that that, isn't it just one of those pieces might come with a little bit of a like a, you know, maybe this is a parent, yeah? Maybe this is someone who has their young people at school and is like, ah, ah, how do I, I, I you know, that kind of like, I can't absorb this information because it would take too much change. And so that wanting to take what we're saying and say, okay, yeah, yeah, I agree. That's one cause. That's one cause among, you know, all of these other ones. And... Yeah, I guess like what's the and maybe that links back to what we were talking earlier about the young people creating change or those kind of things. But what 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 might you say to that person because they may well be listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, what would I say? I would say that um, yes, and in some ways, well, in lots of ways, the way we think about it is that school is like it's a starting point of where all of these other conversations need to come from. Like, but what's the point of talking about anything else when the next generation, the people who are literally going to create the future are being put through the same system that's gonna replicate all of the other fuckery you might be talking about um, and be able to like not, you know, really be deprived of the skills to challenge it, deprived of the skills to look after themselves, deprived of the skills to like connect across difference and whatever. like. Um, you know, how you raise young people is how the future is going to be shaped. Um, And so if we're talking about trying to change anything, we need to talk about how we're raising our young people because that's how our future is going to look. 
and you know like i said earlier like young people are so at the forefront of creating change um throughout history and across the world but young people are at the moment being subjected to such high levels of like yeah well just being put through a frankly abusive system that um that that power is being so taken away from us um and i know it's a scary thing to think about challenging and i know it's a scary like it it seems so big and it also seems so impossible and it's easy to go back into that oh but actually you know school's fine like whatever um but the point is that um the point is that if you actually remember the real situation of the world and you actually try to problem solve how we got here and you actually look about what needs to happen next then school is an obvious target well said hopefully hopefully you convince folks and um and i think the final piece and then we'll, we'll jump into the outro because we've been going for a while now we're not sure how long to make these things um as we said we're practicing the final piece would to say in there we also hate things like ofsted <laughs> So if you're in the UK, you know that recently we lost a head teacher. Uh, you know, we have lots of issues with teacher as a, a structural piece of society, this kind of role that's being asked of. Again, we critique the schooling system, like we said, but we don't want to lose people who are attempting, even as we would say, within a broken system to educate our young folk. And when we see groups like Ofsted going around and just like hammering schools, with these obscene forms of control and these obscene targets to meet. Like we were talking to a, a teacher the other day and she was saying that Ofsted came in and they said to her, for people who don't know Ofsted, they're the folks in the UK who are the government body that regulate the schools and they go around giving schools different grades. And she said, the teacher we we're talking to said, um, the Ofsted came in and they said, how can you prove that you're making substantial gains to your students' mental health? And she was just like, what the hell do you want me to do? How could I can't quantify that. <laughs> and even you asking me to quantify that and then her not being able to argue with them because they would give her a bad grade shows that this goes all the way from the top down, if that makes sense. So everything Meg's saying about the students being under this insane stress, we see and we name the teachers are under this stress too. We see and we name the head teacher who lost her life because of that level of stress. And together... We're, we we're to aiming to unite. To this isn't... We are on the same side. Meg, they can't hear you if you're not on the mic. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What did you say? That we need students and teachers to be on the same side because fundamentally we are all on the same side of, you know, I mean, some teachers are assholes, but lots of teachers are people that want the next generation to have the best fucking chance. Yeah. And so we need to remember that actually we are allies and that does need teachers to actually step back and say, oh, I actually see how I've been you know, complicit in this. And it does need students to really work for a level of empathy because there is a power dynamic there. But we really, really need teachers and students to come on the same side. So teachers who are trying, we see you, we want to talk to you, we want you to be part of this. And some there's some teachers in Stroud who have already begun like actively supporting the campaign and there's going to be a declaration released and that kind of thing. So watch out for that. Um, because yeah, we're on the same team. Unless you're one of, no, no, don't say sorry, don't say sorry. We'll get two mics for the next podcast. Um, and one of those things is also, but you also might be an asshole teacher. And in that situation, we're going to hold you the hell to account and <laughs> we're going to push through that. Um, and then with teachers, same in the wider community. Like we talk about young people, but only young people embedded in community can make real change. 
And these are all things that we're going to flesh through. But for now, hopefully that made sense. Hopefully you heard enough from our Megs to be convinced that school is a crime scene. If you want to, like we said, find out more about it, find the zine, check out the socials of the young folk who are organizing um, and email us again, the rise at riseup.org. We'll put it in the description, riseup.net. Thank you, Meg. Um, and uh, we're super open to questions. We're super open to challenge. Bring your analysis, bring your understanding, challenge ours together. We can work this out. But we're saying that unless we put school and the miseducation of our young people at the heart of our organizing, we're not getting anywhere because we're fighting an uphill battle against forces who are just cleaning out a population of its ability to make change every generation. So let's sign it off there and I'll go straight into the Rise podcast, unnamed, sign off. So that's us. Hopefully you enjoyed the first episode of the Rise podcast. Like we said, that's the boring name, Rise podcast. So at the very beginning, we said, if you come up with a better name after having listened to this, please let us know and maybe we'll name it that. Or at least if you didn't enjoy it, we hope it made you feel something. Yes. And also, if you didn't enjoy the podcast, we hope it made you feel something. Um, we know it might have stirred up a load of stuff. Again, let us know. Um, you can DM DMing us on social media is as good a way of getting hold of us as email. Um, we're hoping to do these semi-regularly. We're not quite sure at the moment, um, but we've got an amazing, just wanted to shout out, we've got an amazing young sound engineer, Poppy, who's going to be editing this all up, throwing in a few little jingles and that kind of thing. So a, we're excited to be part of this process. Big up Poppy, all that kind of love. Big up to the rest of the Rise team, to our family at the Prayla Network, um, and all of the young people who are out there in their communities trying to make change, trying to build a better world, trying to learn the lessons we need to learn now to build the tomorrow. And there's this phrase I heard the other day, to, to, to live in a way that doesn't feel like the end of all things, but feels like a new beginning. And there's too many young people right now feeling like we're at the end of days. And we're saying, get organized, get together with your mates, get together with your folks, and let's fight for a new world because that's the new beginning we need. If there's any part of this podcast also that you want us to touch down on in another episode, something you want us to dig into, let us know. But and for now, oh. No, and just that, like the reason we're making this podcast is to put some thoughts out there so that we can also hear back from other people and that we can keep learning together. Otherwise, we're just talking in our little isolated group. So seriously, get in touch with us if, if you've got any thoughts, any challenges, any ideas, what you're doing. We'd also love to shout people out. Not that this is going to have a massive reach, but we would love hey, to shout hey. people out. Um, <laughs> so please get in touch. Yeah, hopefully the 15 times I think we've said throughout this, get in touch will help people get in touch. Yeah, got to work together. For now, that's us. Thank you so much for listening. Love and power, as we always say, and onwards. <laughs>